I want to echo again, we've been saying it quite a bit, happy Mother's Day, and thank you all for for coming. Now, I know Mother's Day tends to conjure up just this whole myriad of emotions uh, across the board. There are those who are just super thrilled. We've got young mothers or expectant mothers. We've got those who, as Kate was saying, miss their moms, and those who uh, perhaps didn't have the greatest relationship with their moms, and they just don't really like dealing with the day. You know, there, there's like emotions all over the place. Uh, so no matter what, though, we can all agree we all came from a mama, right? For that, we can be thankful. Now, whether she did a great job you know, with the raising you up part or whether she botched the job, it's going to be varied from, from person to person. But regardless, and whatever you need to feel today, you feel it. It's okay. Embrace it, accept it, process it. If it's something that's not pleasant, once you process it, let it go. But before you go to bed, end the day with some gratitude and some thanksgiving. Because we've all, we all have a mom. And even if your bio, biological mother... If, if she happened to be one that botched the job, as, as, as I said, I'm sure the Lord brought someone in your life that mothered you and nurtured you and helped get you to this point in life. And even for that, you can be thankful. Amen. Now, I'm blessed. I am blessed. I had a, I had a wonderful mom, uh, Joyce Butler. Uh, she crossed over to be with the Lord Seven years ago, and there's not a, a Mother's Day that has passed since that I don't miss her. You know, people told me back then, say, oh, I get, you know, that the pain gets easier with time. That's a lie. That's a lie. I miss her just as bad today. Uh, I rejoice. You know, the day she crossed over, that kind of stunk from, for me and my sister and for the family, right? But it was the greatest day of her life. <laughs> you know, she, she, she crossed over the finish line. To be in the presence of God. What a wonderful Mother's Day present for her. Uh, you know, stinks for me, temporarily. But what a wonderful time. She actually is who imparted a, a spiritual passion and desire into my life. Uh, not that there was anything wrong with my dad. He was a wonderful man of God. Uh, he was just a little bit more laid back and chill. He was a wonderful counselor. When I lost him, I lost a wonderful mentor and counselor in my life. Uh, but mom, she was a little bit more of the, the zealous, passionate one. And it drew me, what is she so passionate about with this whole Jesus thing? And, and uh, that's, uh, I really attribute my, my drive to, to just dive into the Lord uh, as a gift that my mom instilled in me. You know, uh, Now, did she get everything right? No. But I don't get everything right as a parent either. You know, I don't think any of us that are parents, I think we can all attest to that. We don't, we don't get everything right. But we do our best. And then you've got to trust God to kind of make up, make up for our, our lack, right? Uh, so with that, once again, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Somewhere i got a clicker. Anyone know where my clicker is? I apologize. Oh, hey, look at that. Peter's. Thank you, Peter. You just clapped. That's right. That's right. We got got a clapper hooked up. I just... And it changes. (laughs) Thank you, Peter. Uh, 
Today, today I want to talk to you on this subject. Don't panic, and I'll explain this here in a second, okay? Uh, the, the, uh, uh, the last few weeks, we've actually been talking about kingdom life. What does it mean to live in the kingdom of God? And I think we've done the church a great disservice for years of just projecting the kingdom to, into the sweet by and by. You know, the kingdom of God, when, you, when you're saved and you get to go to the kingdom of God, that means that you've punched your ticket to heaven. So just try to endure the rest of your life because just hang on. One day we get to cross over into his kingdom. And, and that really uh, diminishes what that really means. We do, I believe in heaven. I believe in an eternal abode. I believe, like I said, my mom and my dad are there. My brother, I got a brother that's there. I got grandparents and uh, uh, great aunts and uncles. I got a lot of close friends that are there. I'm looking forward to when the day comes that I get to cross over. I am, I'm not ready yet. <laughs> don't get me wrong. You know, I don't have a death wish. I'm having a blast in life. I want to finish, finish what God started here. So, yes, the sweet by and by, it's real. It exists. Heaven is a real place, okay? And we all got loved ones there. But the kingdom of heaven, what Christ was talking about, which is really the good news, that was his first sermon. His first sermon wasn't, hey, by the way, I'm going to climb up on a cross and die for your sins and be buried and, raised and be risen in three days so that you can be saved. He eventually alluded to that. But his first sermon, he actually stole from John the Baptist, and it was, Psst, the kingdom of God is near. Oh, the kingdom's at hand. That means you're going to overthrow the Romans? No, no, no. The kingdom's It's a whole lot closer than that. It's near. And, and we learned the last few weeks, you've, I've, I've been a broken record. We've learned that the book of Romans says, uh, uh, Paul says that, that the kingdom of God isn't about rules and regulations, but it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So he summed up the kingdom of God into three categories. Righteousness, rightedness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. And where does the Holy Spirit dwell? In us, which means that we get to walk around with the kingdom of God in us. We get to walk around with righteousness. We are in right standing with God. We, we can think right, talk right, speak right, make right decisions, all based on the word of God. We can experience peace. The whole world can be just falling apart all around us, and we can even feel nervous and kind of anxious about some things. But at, at our core, we can still feel his peace. And then joy. You can actually go about life in a joyous way doesn't mean you're happy all the time. Joy goes deeper than happiness. So, and, and last week we talked about what, you know, we talked about the keys, how to get into that kingdom, how to dwell in that kingdom. And it basically uh, is summarized by doing the work of God. He said, he said Peter, I'm going to tell you the keys to the kingdom. Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Or, or whatsoever, you, uh, whatsoever you forbid on earth needs to be what's forbidden in heaven, in the heavenlies, in righteousness, peace, and joy. Does it exist in righteousness, peace, and joy? No. Then don't permit it in your physical life. Whatsoever you loose on earth or whatsoever you permit on earth shall be, needs to be what's loosed in heaven, shall be loosed in heaven, shall be permitted in heaven. Is it permitted under the categories of righteousness, peace, and joy? Yes. Okay. Well, then concentrate on that in your life. And in doing so, you unleash the kingdom of heaven. You actually become the walking representation of the kingdom of heaven. Does that mean that you're exempt from problems? No. No matter what, you're going to have problems. 
You're going to have struggles. You're going to have challenges. That's part of life. That's part of this human experience. But I would sure like to face it coming from the vantage point of the kingdom of heaven than without, right? I would sure like to face it with the ability to, to hear right, think right, make right decisions. The advantage point of peace, I would sure like to face problems with some joy. You know, anyone feel any joy today? If, if, if you don't, you're doing it wrong. I said it last week, folks on their way to heaven ought to be in a whole lot better mood than folks on their way to hell, right? So if you think about it. So, so I, I, I want to continue a little bit. This is a, one of the benefits of living in the kingdom. And so uh, we'll, we'll just call today's sermon, Don't Panic. Now, if you're wondering what this is, uh, back in the early 80s, there was a series of books. Uh, that, that, uh, the first book in the series was called The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And I'm going to nerd out on you a little bit. It was written by Douglas Adams. Uh, Paul would be very familiar with this uh, brilliant author, uh, Douglas Adams. He's, he's British. Uh, the, the books are kind of sci-fi comedy. It's very British comedy, very intelligent, very uh, uh, just, just uh, 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 sarcastic and satire. And, and just the way it's written, is, it, you know, even, even as a, a young teenager, it was hilarious to me. And so there's sequential books. Anyways, one of the things that the Hitchhiker's Guide, there's, if, you, if you're ever around a nerd like me and you hear certain th- phrases, whether it's uh, mostly harmless, that would be a phrase, or so long and thanks for all the fish, that would be another phrase. Well, you're going to hear this phrase, don't panic. So I was reading the Word of God this week, and uh, on my, my year, you know, Bible in a year, every year, I, you know, every year or at least every other year, I try to do the, the Bible in a year, uh, this, and, and usually I'll read it from a different translation because it just kind of helps to open up some different angles on things. And, and I've never done this before, but this year I felt like the Holy Spirit led me to read the Bible in a year via the, the Message Bible. Now, I'm not anti-Message Bible. For those of you who love the Message version, oh, wonderful. I, it's just never been uh, my flavor, per se. And, and if I've, occasionally I've pulled from it, like if I'll go to the Message and see how it's worded, because it, it may, like I said, bring out something different that I hadn't seen. And so when the Lord said, no, use the Message Bible, I was like, really? Okay, let's go for it. And surprisingly, to my surprise, uh, I've really enjoyed it, right? Uh, uh, it, it, there's some pros and cons to it. But I came across a passage that I'm very familiar with, and I love the way that it phrased things, okay? So today, that's what we're talking about. Don't panic. I don't know who this word is for, but it's for somebody. Because God told me I got to speak this out today. Isaiah chapter 41, 8 and 13. Kate was all over it in her prayer time, uh, segueing into announcements. She was all over this passage. This is how the message words this passage. But you, Israel. Now, we can actually take a look at anytime God speaks to Israel, the nation of Israel, or refers to Abraham, Jacob, all that. That's a spiritual metaphor for us. So someone say, he's talking to me today. Thank you, Becca. He's talking to Becca today. Look at that. <laughs> Anyone else say he's talking to me today? Yeah, all right. Thank you. All right. Y'all are with me. But you, Israel, are my servant. Ooh, we get to be his servants. You're Jacob, my first choice. Now, that's pretty cool. Is he, have you thought today that, hey, he chose you 
first and foremost. Descendants of my good friend Abraham. And this is still biblically correct. We've been grafted into the covenant of Abraham because of our faith in Christ Jesus. And that covenant basically says, if you'll trust me, trust me, Abraham, leave everything behind and trust me, and I'll provide everything you need. Well, he's still doing it. He says, I pulled you in from all over the world, called you in from every dark corner of the earth. Well, that describes this neighborhood and our church. Man, we got, we got a lot of nationalities represented even here in this room. He's called us in from all over, hadn't he? And he says, telling you, you're my servant, serving on my side. I've picked you. I haven't dropped you. Okay, if you feel like God's forgotten you today, he hasn't dropped you. He knows exactly where you're at, okay? Here it is. Everyone say it. Don't panic. Don't panic. I'm with you. There's no need to fear for I am your God. He's not just God. He is your God. He is my God. As simple of a phrase as that is, when you start comprehending, whoa, 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 you are my God. There is something really personal here, something very intimate here. You're not just God floating around out on this throne with a nice white beard and, you know, looking like Uncle Sai out in the cosmos, right? No, he is my God. He is close. He is near. He's real. He's tangible. He said, don't panic. There's no need to fear for I am your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady. Keep a firm grip on you. Count on it. I love this. Everyone who had it in for you will end up out in the cold. Real losers. Those who worked against you will end up empty-handed, nothing to show for their lives. Someone hear me today. When you go out looking for your old adversaries, you won't find them. Not a trace of your old enemies, not even a memory. Now, I love how it words that because the reality is this. Say, well, I've, man, I've had people working against me. I've, I've got people talking against me. I've got people launching attacks against me. I got, I'm having to deal with this, having to deal with this. You don't understand the anxiety my job's brought, the anxiety my family's brought, the anxiety, my, the, the, the frustration and anger my neighbors throw at me, all this stuff. Do you realize that the problem really isn't people and things? Whatever your problem is, it's not people and things. That's not what causes frustration, doubt, anger, depression, anxiety, bitterness, all those things that can rule your life. That's not what causes that. People don't, things don't, jobs don't, circumstances don't. Ultimately, it's really your thoughts about these things that cause issues. And so the, the real enemy is not people. The real, we have an enemy. And he comes against us via our thoughts. And I love it. He said, when you go to look for these things, you're not even going to have memory. You're not going to be able to find your enemy anywhere. Well, my enemy isn't out here. My enemy isn't in the neighborhood. My enemy's not out on the job. This is the biggest battle. Matter of fact, there's things that we blame on the devil all the time. Woo, the de man, the devil's after me. No, it's not. You're just thinking stupid. <laughs> you know? Stinking, stinking thinking. That's right, Al. 
I, sh- I think I showed Ryan a meme this w- this week. It's a, you know like w- when sound systems are all like messing. I've I've been in so many church services that where they'll say this if there's feedback and the sound systems crackling and all this stuff, and they'll get up and say, "Ooh, the devil's working hard today. He don't want us to have church." And so the meme said, "The devil, the devil's not working hard today. Your sound system's just trash." <laughs> Say, oh, the devil's working hard in my life today. I'm struggling. No, he's not doing anything to you. <laughs> your, your brain's just trash right now. You got some trashy thoughts. But he said, look, when you realize I am your God, there's no need to panic. In the kingdom of God, in righteousness, is there room for panic? In peace, is there room for panic? In joy, is there room for panic? So that means in the Holy Spirit, there is no panic. So that means in the kingdom, there is no panic. Then don't panic. It's, it's forbidden in the kingdom, so forbid it in your own life. I love it. And when you enter into that, when you're in kingdom living, all of a sudden you can't even find. So where's that enemy at? I don't know. I can't remember what I was so upset about. I don't remember why I was having anxiety. Why? Because he has renewed my thoughts. He has transformed me by the renewing of my mind. He says, that's right, because I, your God, have a firm grip on you, and I'm not letting go. I'm telling you, don't panic. I'm right here to help you. Matter of fact, in the book of Psalm, we'll read from the Amplified Version there. It's one of my, my, one of my versions I prefer. Psalm 37, 1 through 2, fret not yourselves, in other words, don't panic because of evildoers, neither be envious against those who work in righteousness, that which is not upright or in right standing, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. So don't, look, people, if, people are going to act like knuckleheads no matter what you do, whether you're driving on the road, whether you got neighbors, whether you got coworkers and stuff, people are going to rub you wrong. And if they're honestly trying to do something wrong against you, don't worry about it. Don't even let that fret, fret your mind. Why? Because God's going to mow those, those weeds down. That's what it says here. He's just going to, he's going to mow them down. He's going to cut them down. Right? Luke 10, 19, this is what Jesus said. Behold, I have given you authority and power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and physical and mental strength and ability over all the power the enemy possesses. So even if the enemy is coming against you, don't panic. Why? Because he's already given you authority. And that's pretty cool because Jesus, one of the first things he said to the disciples after his resurrection, they all showed up. They're, they're looking at him in amazement. And he tells them, he says, all authority on, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So the question is, if you're fretting and panicking, if you're getting fr- allowing frustration to rule your life, bitterness to rule your life, who are you? Whose authority are you yielding to? Because that that is not. You know, Ryan was even talking about today that even when Christ corrects you, it's gentle, it's loving. Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt all the time, <laughs> you know. Sometimes he's got to perform surgery on you. Well, surgery can be good. It still kind of hurts, doesn't it? You know. But it can be done in a very loving and constructive way. And watch this. And nothing, no thing shall in any way harm you. 
that I don't know about that. I have friends that have been hurt in life. I've been hurt in life. I, you know, I have friends that, that, that are struggling even physically. I've, I, you know, I've known folks that are struggling mentally or emotionally. All that. What do you mean nothing can harm? I've seen harm everywhere. Think about it. The real you is not this. This is temporary. This is soul. The word soul in, in uh, Hebrew is nefesh. In Greek, it's suke. And it means a person. And God breathed life. God breathed spirit into man and he became a living soul. Suke. Nefesh. It, it means it means mind, consciousness, the wholeness of a person, right? So you are a soul. You have a, you have a human experience that you, you're encountering. So you have a soul. You are spirit. Because the very fact that you're alive, that came from God. That life entered into a soul, possessed a soul. The wholeness of being human. Now we could go on a big fun rabbit trail of Bible study and all that stuff here with this. But can can you hurt spirit? That's the part of you that returns back to God. It'll live forever. Can you can you injure God? Now, can your soul be crushed? Sure. Can you lose your soul, the wholeness of your humanity? Yeah. You know, what should it profit a man if he should gain the whole world but lose his soul? It didn't say spirit. Jesus had to come die on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, be buried and rise again so that we could redeem our soul. Not, not our spirit. You can't hurt the spirit. The soul can be lost. But the soul isn't ultimately who you are. It's, you know, I, I watched, I, I've talked about it before. I watched leukemia take over my mom's soul. But it never once crushed her spirit. It didn't harm her. The essence of who she was. Her last week on this planet, she's lying in a hospital room. They're just trying to keep her pain-free enough. We all pretty much knew things were imminent. Unless there was just a massive miracle from God. And yet, even in her state of her soul decaying or dying, there were still nurses lined up outside the room trying to get in to let this woman pray for them. Why? Because her spirit was alive and well. And when her spirit, that breath of life, left her body and returned, I watched as her soul came to completion. Her psyche, her consciousness, her body. We even sing it. Then sings my soul. Why is that important? Because you're trying to line the soul up to what the spirit is saying. This, your spirit knows. This is all stuff your spirit knows. That's why everything I get up and preach, you sit there and kind of go, yeah, I kind of knew that. Why didn't I, you know? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Why? Because the soul sometimes gets in the way of the spirit, you know? But you you got to line your soul up. In other words, there, there needs to be those times that as a human you go, oh, yes, 
I get, yes, I see it now, God. Yes, what is that? Oh, then sings my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And in the Hebrew, you can actually translate it. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all my inner organs. In other words, every part of me, my soul, my nefesh, everything that makes me a human being, I'm going to bless the Lord. But your spirit, the real you, it can't be hurt. You can keep going. Get back up. Say, oh, but my soul was crushed. Yeah, and your soul can heal. But your spirit keeps going. Your spirit keeps going. That's why you hear all these great stories from World War II, some of the POWs, they just couldn't break their spirit. Why? Because you can't hurt spirit. They crushed their soul, maybe. They, they came back maimed. They came back wounded. They came back even uh, psychologically, maybe had, had to deal with some things. But man, their spirit stayed strong. Why? Because nothing shall harm you. He's given us authority to tread on everything. Serpents, scorpions. Amen. Matthew 6, 25 through 24. Are we still here? Everyone still with me? All right. I promise. It's Mother's Day. Some of y'all got dinners planned. I'm not, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not going to, I'm not going to cancel. You're not going to have to move it to, to, to supper. I promise. You get to keep it lunch. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. That is why I tell you, this is Jesus talking, not to worry about everyday life. In other words, that's why I tell you, don't panic. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for the Heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? You ever notice, like there are actually fat birds out there. You ever notice that? I was coming back, riding my bike, coming back over on the trails over here, and I'm coming down the hill, right? Y'all ever ridden your bike down on these hills over here? Man, you can get some speed going, and, and you just pray nobody's in front of you, right? Especially a big mass like me on a bike. It, just because I got brakes on the bike, it don't mean a thing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's like rolling the dice. And there was a, there was a big, giant... Uh, uh, what kind of, are they grapples? Is that what they're called? Yeah, those big old black birds. There was a big, and this was the fattest one I've ever seen. And he was trying to shoo away some little bird. But he was right in the middle of the sidewalk. And he was the fattest bird, fattest black bird I've ever seen. He was about to be the flattest black bird. I ever, but he got out of the way in time. And I thought to myself, where is he eating? And, and this scripture came to mind. He didn't have to plant. He didn't have to go work to buy his food. Man, God's been providing for that bird, right? That's what I'm saying. But yet, Jesus is saying, look, as much as he's provided for these birds, he says, aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries, all your panicking, all your fretting add a single moment to your life? Man, how many, how many times have you stayed up at night? You couldn't sleep one bit because you were worried. And you know what you accomplished from, by doing that? Yeah, a night with no sleep, congratulations. I'm just as guilty as anyone at times, right? 
Verse 28, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, all his glory, was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, think about it, especially uh, on the backside of the, of the neighborhood. You know, folks have been getting pictures taken with all those blue bonnets that came out. Right? That was a, God did a beautiful job making sure that field grew some beautiful blue bonnets. And if, and if you were heading to the bike trails, these fields over here, Howard may have had a little something to do with helping God on that. So, <laughs> that, hey, that's how God gets things done is through his service, right? There's some beautiful wildflowers that were growing out here on the, on, you know, heading, heading over to the trails. Gorgeous, right? And God has all this incredible life grow, and it's beautiful. For what? It's only going to last a couple of weeks. Then it kind of weather, withers and, 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 you know, Miguel and his guys get out there and mow it down, right? If, if, if you see, if you happen to see Miguel and his guys, Miguel's an awesome guy. Make sure you stop and thank him. I love him. He's my brother. And he does some insane BMX bikes tricks still to this day. I don't know how he does it. So, yes, <laughs> he's got a bionic body to prove it. Uh, verse 30 and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that, that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow he will certainly care for you why do you have so little faith you remember faith just means the ability to trust God above everything that you see feel here he's like man why can you just not trust me that's what he's saying just trust me didn't I tell you I got it all taken care of right so, now, man, obviously I've already been highlighting like crazy for you on this stuff. So that way your Bible doesn't have to get all marked up. I'm marking it up for you. So don't worry about these things. Don't panic saying, what will, we, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. All this material stuff in the world. How am I going to do this? I got to pay for this. Got to do this. Got to do that. Got to be here. Got to, got to, you know, make sure this is knocked out. This goal, this goal, this project, this, how are we going to do all this stuff? Because like that's even unbelievers get caught up in all that stuff. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. And that's wonderful because he also promised he would supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. If you have a need in your life, he promised, I'll take care of it. Relax. In my own time and in my own way, I'm going to take care of it. So don't panic. Now, look what he says to do. He's saying, don't panic. Well, then what do you want me to do? Verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else. So seek what? According to Romans, the kingdom of God is what? Righteousness. Oh, righteousness. What? Peace. Peace. And what else? Joy. Joy. Where is it found in? In the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Ghost. And where's the Holy Spirit? In me. There you go. How do I not panic? How do I not fret? How do I not freak out? So seek first, the first thing you need to seek in all situations. When something pops up and you're like, oh, wow, didn't see this coming. This is a curveball. What am I supposed to do about this? Stop. All right, Lord. Righteousness. I'm in right standing with you. Show me the right way to respond to this. What do you want me to do about this? I've done that. I've done that with my phone at times. I've held my phone. I've gotten texts where I'm like, what? What do you want me to do about this? I'll hold it up to him and even ask him. Peace. You heard the phrase, hold your peace? Take it, take it literal. 
Christ has given you peace. He is the Prince of Peace. He has all authority. You don't have the authority to give it away to someone else or something else. Don't give your peace away to something else. I don't care how big of a fire it is. Well, figure out how to put the fire out, but don't let go of your peace. Joy. Seek those things. I've got to face this problem. I've got to face this challenge. I've got to face this issue. But let me do it through the lens of the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And I have a right to do that because Holy Spirit, that is found in you and you're in me. So teach me. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth. You don't, you don't need the preacher to teach you how to do it. You've got the teacher, the Holy Spirit. He'll lead you. He'll tell you. Trust me, he's talking to you. He's talking to everyone who, who allows them to live in him. Right? Seek first the kingdom of God and all, above all else and live righteously. In other words, like when you're seeking it, then just do the right thing. Live righteously. Live the right way. And he will give you everything you need. Because in the kingdom, there is no lack. There is no limitation. There's always enough. So in the kingdom of God, if you're living in the kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy, you'll find that you lack nothing. But in the order, that's the, the paradox of it. In order to get into the kingdom, you've got to lose everything. You have to submit 100%. That's why it's called a kingdom. That means it's, it's a sovereign state that is ruled by a king. King Jesus, and he's, if he is Lord, that means you have to submit to his lordship. That means every part of your life has to die out to your will and come alive in his will. And that's the tricky part. I'm still, I still got areas. The Holy Spirit's been t teaching me lately, hey, we're going to identify some areas of your life that has not submitted to his lordship. And that's why you've struggled in these areas. When, once you submit, once you lose your life, you gain it, the Bible says. Once you get into the kingdom, he'll give you everything you need. When you lose everything, you gain everything. Isn't that crazy? But that's how it works. And I'm telling you, I've seen it work in areas of my life. So don't panic. Just seek his kingdom. Let's all stand. Lord, I love you. I thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just take your word and make it real and tangible in someone's life today. Take my limited vocabulary and expand it in the hearts and the minds and the spirits and the souls of everybody represented. Help us to live and walk in your kingdom. Help us to submit to you, to be true disciples, true imitators, true followers, not just church attendees, but true imitators of you, Lord. Help us to grow and evolve and be everything you've created us to be and help us this week to live in your kingdom your true kingdom we praise you in jesus name everyone say amen